Let's pray together. Father, we are so grateful that Jesus has come. Lord, we are so grateful that truly all is well. Jesus, we believe that you you came, that you stepped down, God, that you, you came in the flesh in a world of darkness and brought light. Lord, for that, we are we're overwhelmed with gratitude. So now as we look at your word, would you open our eyes to see you more clearly? Lord, open our hearts to love you more intently. Lord, help us to love, love Jesus increasingly in our lives. And so, Lord, bless the reading of your word. Lord, we believe that it is true. Help us to abide by your truth. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you will, turn with me to Matthew 7, verses 24 through 27. Um, if you have a Bible, um, if you have a phone, if you don't have a Bible, there's one in the seat ahead of you. The question that we all have to answer, whether you know it or not, but the question is, what do we do with Jesus? Jesus came. We've sung about it all weekend. We've talked, we talk about it every Christmas. We, around here, talk about it all the time. Jesus stepped down, but the reality is, is we all have to deal with Jesus, some people say that Jesus is a really good man that had really good teachings, and if you listen to his truth, there's a better way to live your life. Some people say Jesus is a myth, which there's more evidence that Jesus lived and walked on this earth than Pharaoh did. It's undoubted that Jesus came. It was undoubted that he was born in Bethlehem. It's undoubted that he walked in the flesh. It's undoubted that he died on a cross. It's undoubted that he walked around after he died on that cross. And it's undoubted that he disappeared, that he left this planet. But the question is, what do we believe? See, belief is really important. It's really the most important thing. Not some sort of belief like believing in fairy tales, but believing deep inside of us, a, a belief that causes us to move and to go and to live our lives in a different way. You heard it this morning as the candle was litten, was litten, whatever that is, <laughs> it was litten this morning. I don't even know, I just, I just went like King James on us, so uh, uh, it was light, they, they lighteth the candle, so uh, as they lit the candle today, sorry, I don't know. So, as they lit the candle today, you heard that deep belief. I mean, I saw it as I, as I watched the two of you. Um, I don't think you probably even knew what God had prepared you for. The years of believing deeply in the Savior, believing in what he had done for them, of how he had been faithful to them, and even knowing their story of even selling everything and going to West Virginia to help a ministry in a season of their life. And all of those things of faith and trust built up for a storm that would come 
I remember Monday, the Monday morning it happened. I remember the phone call. And Wayne, Wayne is a, a good friend of mine. I love my dad, and I wouldn't have another dad, but if I had to have another dad, I'd choose Wayne. Um, yeah, he's a great man. He doesn't want to hear that. <clears throat> but I remember the phone call and thinking, oh my goodness, this, this can't be. And then I remember watching him the months in the hospital and the rehab and learning all the new things. I remember watching Peggy. And I remember watching people interact with him and they thought they were so weird. They, they, they would come in the room and they'd be like, you're depressed, right? And they shared that a little bit. And then Wayne would be like, and if you know Wayne, he's like, get your psycho babble out of my room. I believe in God. Like, I don't need this. But it was, it was really not psycho babble that he was saying. He was like, I believe. I have faith beyond this world. When the storms raged in their life, there was faith. They made a decision long ago, and maybe you had tears in your eyes like I did as they shared. But they decided long ago what they were going to do with Jesus. They gave all of themselves and all of their lives, and they planted their life on the rock. And as they planted their life on that rock, you can't hope, help but see how beautiful and how wonder, wonderful and how in tragedy still victorious they are. Let's read Matthew 7, 24 through 27. This is Jesus at the end of his teaching in the Sermon on the Mount, the, the largest set of teachings that we have recorded of Jesus. He's going to talk about all kinds of things in life. Blessed are these and these and these. This is how you ought to do this and this and this. You have heard it said this. I tell you this. This large collection of the ways of God, the kingdom of heaven coming to earth, the son of God, the one who was born in a manger, now proclaiming the ways of the kingdom. And his conclusion is this. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock, and the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall, because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who has ears, and everyone who hears these words of mine, and does not do them, will be like a foolish man, who built his house on the sand, and the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat against that house, and it fell and great was the fall of it. When we celebrate the birth of Jesus in this Christmas season, there's no command in Scripture that says, thou shalt celebrate my birth on December 25th. I think you all know this, right? But it is a significant event, the advent of Christ, the coming of Christ. The Old Testament, is, if, if it can be summarized in one way, after the fall of man, it's a constant drumbeat of, he is coming, he is coming, he is coming. The world is in need. Families are broken. Societies are broken. Kings and kingdoms don't last. There is one who will come, and he will make all things right. And then at the end of the book of Malachi, silence for 400 years. And then our Savior, he comes. God fulfills his promise. Jesus comes, and he steps down. God comes in the flesh, 
and walks around on this earth living a perfect and sinless life, ultimately dying the death we deserved. The punishment was placed on him. He was crucified and he died. See, if we could sum up these big events, these things that as Christians are so meaningful to us, the prophecies of him coming, his coming, Christmas, his death, his burial, his resurrection, his ascension to on high, his rule and reign today. These are the things about Jesus that, that have meaning to us and we, we recognize, we celebrate. But in this text, what is the ultimate message of Jesus? What is he saying? One, he's calling us to faith. But in this, he gives this huge teaching and then he sums it up down into this. The first thing we see, two things this morning. First is a call to authentic commitment. Jesus is calling us to something deep, something genuine, something authentic. And this wasn't actually orchestrated, but Wayne and Peggy sharing this morning, there's just something authentic and genuine and real because you can't make that up. You can't, you can't somehow create faith in some <clears throat> false kind of hope when such tragedy strikes. It's either there or it's not. And in this, this call to authentic commitment. And so the picture, there's two pictures. There's one of a man who builds his house on a rock. And there's one who builds his house on the sand. Right? And there's a song that goes with this. Do you know the song? Right? The wise man builds his No. Okay. So that's, that's it. Like if you, it's the same thing. And so, so there's these two pictures. Now it's a picture of a, of a place in a desert. And this desert is a place that doesn't get rain often. But when it does, there is a flash flood. And in that flash flood, when crisis comes, when destruction happens, one house that is built on the rock will withstand it. And the house that is built on the sand, it will not. And so the text says, hear these words of mine. This is like look, taking one of my children and putting my hands on their cheeks and saying, listen to me, Right? It's this moment of Jesus saying, listen, hear this. You're not listening. Hear this. This is important. Whoever puts them into practice is, and it will go on, but, but hear these words of mine. Listen to me. Do this. Now hear this, Christians. Do this. Not just internalize it, but this is something in which we take action upon. We do. Do this. And if you do, you will be like a wise man, a sage, a learned person, someone who, is, is, who, <clears throat> who has deep insight, a, a sage, like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came, the streams rose, winds blew, yet it did not fall because the house was on the rock. See, there's two tracks of Christmas that we really see within our society. There's one that Christmas is a holiday, and it's a holiday that is fun, there's lots of presents. There's lots of like inflatables and Santa Clauses and all these things that Christmas is. And it's fine and it's good. And then there's the Christian holiday of which we celebrate the advent of our Savior, Jesus. There's two different value systems built within underneath each of these systems. On one, you'll hear this message. The world is in need of unity and peace. And deeply inside of ourselves, we have the unity and peace this world needs. 
And at Christmas time, we should let our generosity and our kindness show so the world will be a better place. That's the Christian holiday version. It's almost like the Miss America saying, I desire world peace, right? That somehow that we can bring this into our world in and of ourselves. But the Christian holiday, the advent of Christ, there's a deeper message And it's that peace and unity we are incapable of. Because there is a deep brokenness and darkness in this world. And in and of ourselves, we are lonely, we are incapable of love, and we are incapable of peace. And Jesus stepped down into the darkness. and He stepped into, into our world. He stepped in and broke through and brought peace. That he shone in the darkness, that the light came. And now because Jesus has come, I can have peace. And not only can I have peace in my own heart and life, but now I can give that out. There's an unending well that I can receive because Jesus has come. There's a love that I have received that I can now give. There's a peace that I now possess in which I can radiate. There's a hope in which I have now that I can firmly plant my life on and whether the storms rage or whether there's great peace, I will be immovable because of the hope that he has placed inside of me. See, what what the advent of Christ, the coming of Christ proclaims is we are needy, that we are not okay on our own, that we need a savior. The authentic commitment comes when we recognize that the incarnate son, that God himself, who was born, brought light, brought peace, and is now and can be now the rock of our salvation, the grace we need. He was the word who became flesh. He is truth. And we can place all of our lives and all of our confidence in the Savior because he has come. So not only does this text call us to, authentic, to an authentic commitment, it calls us to a persevering obedience to a persevering obedience in our life. It says, everyone who hears these words of mine, so the text continues, everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice. And so again, this, that you've heard this, says I'm I'm not gonna do it. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna live this out to the fullest. I'm gonna kind of step into it a little bit, but not the whole thing. Just kind of partial obedience. And just so you know, partial obedience there's this other word for it, and it's called disobedience, right? Like, my kids partially clean their room, right? They, they partially, like, you know, did the things that I asked them to do. It says, it's like this. You're like a foolish man who built your house on the sand. The rain came, the streams rose, winds blew and beat, and the house crashed. See, the storms of life, they come. They're all around us. And if they haven't come lately, bad news at Christmas is they probably will sometime again. See, when sin entered this world, death entered this world. And because sin entered this world, death will be here until Jesus returns. And at Christmas time, it's a time where we might recognize that more than other times. It's a time where there used to be six seats around the table and now there's five. The traditions of holiday begin to change because of the sin and brokenness in our world. 
But it's not just death, it's other things. Words are said, actions are made that change the dynamics, that change the love and the peace and the care around us. And sometimes this season, we, we see it more clearly than ever. Some of it is just, we're all decaying, that everything is growing. It, I, we told everyone last week that we're having a baby. Just so you know this, I will be 56 and three quarters years old when that kid leaves my home, right? I will be, I will be, I will be like eight years for Medicare. Like that's where I'm going to be when that kid leaves the house. There's just something like, I feel old when I think about it in that regard. I don't know. Father Abraham, that's me. Like I'm, all right, I can do this. This is so hard. I'm so tired as I get older. So um, that's why Debbie stays up at night. So, all right, babe. Yeah, so that's actually true. I need to do better with this one. So the storms of life, the, the difficulties and the challenges of this life, and even in this, we, we don't know the curve, the next thing that's going to happen. And not to even belabor this, but this is something we try to push away. I think our society really helps us like push this away by saying you can look like you're 32 when you're 68. Doesn't happen, right? There's this decay and brokenness of this world. And what Christmas really proclaims is that Jesus, God, they knew our deep need. They knew the trouble we were in and the sinful state we were in. And Jesus came. He came and he entered in. He became flesh that God sent his only begotten, unique one of a kind, unlike any other son, into this world to save us. And not just to save us, but to place all of our hope and confidence in that when the storms rage and life crashes, our hope can be found in him and immovable in him. There's this old hymn. It's, I grew up in a church and we would literally, we pull out the hymn books and they'd say, turn to page, see kids, you don't even know what this is like, right? Turn to page 258 and everyone would go and you'd hear the pages rustle and we'd hold it, we'd wait and then we would sing together and that's every, we'd do like four songs and then there'd be preaching and that's how that worked. And there was a song, it was, I remember it, like it's one of my favorite songs, my favorite hymns and these are the words of it. It says, Jesus is standing in Pilate's hall, friendless, forsaken, betrayed by all. Hearken what meaneth the sudden call. And here's the question. What will you do with Jesus? What will you do with Jesus? Neutral, you cannot be. Someday your heart will be asking, what will he do with me? Jesus is standing on trial still. You can be false to him if you will. You can be faithful through good or ill. What will you do with Jesus? So maybe the question is for us today, what will you do with Jesus? We heard a testimony today of what Wayne and Peggy decided they would do with Jesus. They said they're going to build their house on the rock. 
what will you do with Jesus? In Romans 10, the Bible says that we should ultimately, first and foremost, confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead and we will be saved. So summary of that is believe with everything you have to the deepest part of your body that God sent his son into this world to die the death you deserved. And today, by placing your faith and trust with him, your sins can be covered and you can be in right relationship with your God and have a rock in which you can stand on all of your days on this earth and forever in eternity. What will you do with Jesus? But see, there's another group of people. Maybe those some have not trusted in Jesus today. And maybe, maybe today you would make the greatest, 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 greatest decision. I know I made that decision in my life. And he has changed me and made me a man that I was not. And he can do that to you too. A year and nine days ago, I sat face to face with my brother as he took his last breath, as he went to be with Jesus. It was the greatest decision Mark ever made. And it'll be the greatest decision you ever make to trust in Christ with all of your life. See, this last year for me has been a different year. I mean, it's been a year where I haven't been able to call my big brother. See, brothers are great because you don't have to talk all the time. But when you need them, they're always there. There's been this weird thing that's happened this year in my life that I didn't realize that my feet were planted firmly on a rock. Because although I'm sad, and I'm still sad that Mark's not here this Christmas, my hope's not gone. My joy is still intact. There's a peace inside of my heart that perseveres. And that's only something that Jesus could have done in my life. And so Christian, today, what are you doing with Jesus? Maybe this Christmas season would be a time where God allows you a moment of grace, a moment in time, maybe this morning, to commit your life to belief to place your feet on the rock. Maybe you've waned. Maybe you've moved backwards. Maybe you haven't been obedient in the ways that he is calling you. And maybe this time of year, maybe today, you say, Jesus, you're worth it all because you gave it all for me. I believe that you stepped down into this dark world and has given us a light in which we desperately need and which is our only hope. Let's pray together this morning. Father, we thank you for the love and the grace that you have displayed to us through Jesus. Father, we believe. We believe that this world is sinful and broken. And we believe that you sent your son, your only son, that you came down in the flesh and you were born of a virgin, that you walked a perfect and sinless life on this world. Jesus, we believe that you, you suffered, that you died, 
that your body was broken and your blood was poured out, broken for our sin, your blood poured out to cover our sin as a perfect, spotless sacrifice. Jesus, we believe that you were buried. We believe that you, three days later, rose and defeated death. Jesus, we believe that today you reign on high. And one day, you will make all things right and will reign for all time and eternity. Jesus, we believe that you have done this on our behalf. So for the person who has never trusted in you, Jesus, I I just ask that you would help them to confess their sins before you, to repent, to turn, to believe today. Lord, for those of us who have believed, give us greater strength and faith to believe, to place our feet on the rock of our salvation on you, Jesus, and you alone, to hear your words and do them. Lord, might we this year simply believe to the depths of who we are in you and bank everything on it, some for the first time, and others, Lord, committing again, placing all of their confidence in you. Father, help us as we sing, as we commit ourselves. In the name of Jesus, we ask, amen. As we sing, feel free to come and kneel at the altar and pray as God would lead you.